I think we should spend a little bit of time just lifting up our voice in one accord and really hungering for God. You know, if you were here for prayer before church, that's what we did. We, we spent some time. I just want to, as my dad's playing here, just lift up our voices and praise to him, whether that's in the spirit or whatever praise you let out of your lips. But I want it to sound like a rushing river in here, because that's what the scripture says. So let's go ahead and do that. Thank you, Jesus. Your name is above every name, Father. Your name is exalted above every single name, Lord. into the house from out of the heavenly realm. The roar of the wind was so overpowerful, it was all anyone could bear. Then all at once, a pillar of fire appeared before their eyes, and it separated, it separated into tongues of fire that engulfed each one of them. That tongues of fire is still working in the earth today in us. It's the Holy Spirit's dispensation. We should give him his place in the church. I just want to spend time praying in the Holy Ghost. Come on, let's hear those voices. Aqui anda mate, xixi anda de teki. Estou brande, teki a xixi que esta nate. Amboyate ki, xoxoya na hate. Ixixaki a tataka. If you're not filled with the Holy Ghost, just pray in your own knowledge, Lord. Xixi que anda bana, a xixi estou boyanate ti, xixi que estou brande, tata. We're hungry for you, Lord. We're hungry for you. A xixi que anda bate, xixi que anda boya, xixi. Mark, will you share what you shared during prayer about hunger? I spoke a few months ago about on healing, and I was talking about how when uh, in the ministry of Jesus and in the apostles too, where there were times when healing was just happening like this. It was just like popcorn, and it was almost like there was very little actual faith and evidence. But what you began to see was that when people are hungry, all you need is that mustard seed of faith, and you begin to see miracles begin to happen. I talked about a guy that I knew that got born again, baptized in the Holy Spirit, radically transformed all at one time, who went forward, and it was just the, over the tiniest little thing. I mean, he was, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't spending months and years in seeking. If you want to see that kind of thing happen, not only in your life, but also here in the church, people coming in and being, lives being transformed miraculously, get hungry. It's the, it's the main ingredient that is missing in the church in America. We're just so, we're so passive. We think we're believing God, but we're not. Jesus, E.W. Kenyon said that when he talked about the word believe is not passive. He said when he saw the word, when he saw the word believe written in the Bible, he would substitute in his brain, he would substitute 
act on the word. Believing is action. Faith is more of, of the heart, but believing is action. Put legs to your faith. That's believing. What does pastor say all the time? If God said it, that settles it, and I choose to believe it. Well, I'm going to add, and I choose to speak it out of my life in faith. I'm going to call those things that are not as though they are, because that's what true Bible faith is. I'm going to ask someone to share a testimony. I won't call you out, but I asked you to share it earlier, and I think it's a good time to do that. If you want to come up here. We overcome by the word of our testimony. year we do a like a healthcare screening fair uh, my husband and I my son we all work at Pepsi and uh, when I got my results back they were as bad as I expected them to be based on how I was feeling and then in January I went to the doctor and I made an appointment and went to uh, the hospital in Bozeman and they told me that I had high, really really high blood pressure and sent me downstairs to be monitored before they let me leave and told me that I had adult onset type 2 diabetes. So they made appointments for me uh, with a nutritionist at the diabetes center. And the last time I went was Friday, and they told me the type 2 diabetes were reversed, and my A1C was 5.1. And then they Amen. And took me off one of the blood pressure medicines, so that was like 13 pills a day. I was able to stop taking Thank God. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Are you going to do offering? Or is mom? Mother. I'd like to welcome the first-time visitors and invite you back next week for our normal service, even though this is, God knew that this was going to happen, so you're in the right place at the right time, so... So I'm going to uh, take up our tithes and offerings, but um, if you have an offering, I'd ask you to hold it. Oh, anybody need envelopes? Mark's prompting me. Um, if you have an offering, I'd ask you to maybe hold it to the end because we're going to take up a love offering for Pastor. Um, you know, it's expensive to travel. And anyway, but don't put your regular tithes in that. So um, I'm going to talk about Malachi 3, 10 through 12, which is a familiar uh, scripture. It says... Bring the full tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. I mean, all of us like to eat. Um, and thus put me to the test. God's saying, give me your 10% and put me to the test. I will give you, he says, says the Lord of hosts, and I will not, and I will open the windows of heaven for you and pour for you an overflow of blessing. All he's asking for is 10%. He is the ultimate businessman. He's going to take your 10% and give you overflowing blessings. Does it mean cash? No. It means you have a son that's healed and a beautiful daughter-in-law and a son that I never thought would be preaching the word granddaughter that walks in and is just so happy to see her daddy. That's a blessing. And you have a son that as a I'm sorry. And these are just blessings that the Lord has blessed me with. You have a husband that's been healed not once, not twice, but four times. 
so that you can have these blessings sitting here. Blessings of a church family. Sorry. And it does mean a new car. It does mean a job. Anyway, hold up your offerings. <laughs> we thank you, Father. We thank you that you take our 10% and you turn it into the overflow. You turn it into blessings, not only material blessings, but other blessings, Lord, that, that we cannot... Uh, we have our barns are, are overflowing. Our barns are just so filled with things that we can give it. We give it away. We want to be blessings, Lord, so that we can show other people the love that you have for us, that you sent your only son. And all you ask for is 10% of our income, and you turn it into all these wonderful things. I thank you, and I praise you for what you're doing in my life. Amen. So children, if you want to go with Miss Maddie, huh? and you'll be blessed upstairs. Thank you. Kid ever, I tell you. We started off calling her Nugget when she was a baby, and that's transformed into Chicken. And I think she responds to Chicken more than she does to her own name. So, yeah. So I'm going to be talking to you today about faith. I know Pastor Dan's been talking about faith. Um, I'm, if you don't know me, I'm David. I'm the youth and or the young adult leader here. Um, we're going to be talking about calling things that aren't as though they are. In Mark 11, 12 through 14, it's talking about Jesus when he was heading from Bethany to um, Jerusalem. The next day, as they left Bethany, Jesus was feeling hungry. He noticed a leafy fig tree in the distance. So he walked over to it, and there, was, there wasn't any fruit on it. So if you picture yourself as a disciple walking with Jesus, and all of a sudden he's like, I'm hungry, and he walks ahead of you, and he's going up to this tree, and he says there, there was only leaves on it, for it wasn't the season of bearing figs. And Jesus spoke to the tree. It was audible, so the disciples heard it. I don't know, if I heard someone talking to a tree, I'd, I'd be calling a number. I don't know. But, um, and he said, no one will ever eat fruit from you again. And like I said, it says right here that the disciples overheard him. So they were off on the road. Jesus was probably off in the ditch talking to this tree. Um, and fast forward, you know, that's when Jesus went into the, the temple and turned over the tables of the, uh, the, the money changers. So my dad and I were talking about this last night. He was probably hangry, you know, gets up there and he took. So uh, fast forwarding over to 20, Mark 11, 20 through 23 now. In the morning, they passed back by the fig tree that Jesus spoke to. And it was completely withered up from the roots. So as soon as he spoke to that tree, faith happened, and the power of God went into that tree, even if they didn't see anything happen. It started from the roots up. Peter remembered and said to him, hey, teacher, look, that fig tree that you cursed, it's shriveled up and dead. And Jesus replied, let the faith of God be in you. A more literal translation is, have the faith of God. Listen to you. 
Listen to the truth. I speak to you. Whoever says to a mountain with great faith that it will have, uh, that it will move there. Whoever says to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the midst of the sea and believes that what he says will happen, it will be done. Is he talking about moving a literal mountain? Can we put that mountain picture up there? I took this picture. I used to be a UPS driver. That's Immigrant Peak. Um, It's a huge mountain, right? That mountain's been there since it was formed, right? It hasn't moved. Jesus is talking about the immovable mountains in your life, like diabetes that Debbie was healed from, or cancer. Um, I was listening to a message. I don't know if anyone knows who Jonathan Shuttlesworth is. Uh, He's an evangelist. Um, And he was talking about a young boy that had come in to be prayed for in one of his meetings. And he had tumors that kept growing on his arm. They weren't cancerous yet. And the Lord spoke to Jonathan and said, talk to those tumors as if they were little mountains and have them be removed and cast into the sea. He's talking about immovable things that doctors say, there's no more hope for you. When my dad, back in 1983 or 4, 86, that was before I was born, a long time before I was born. Um, he had Hodgkin's lymphoma, and they went through everything. My, both my parents were nurses, so they knew everything medically that needed to be done. And they told him, sorry, like, there's nothing else we can do. So what, was that a truth? Yeah, that's a truth. That's what the world would consider a truth, but there's a higher truth. Amen. His name is above Hodgkin's lymphoma. Um, We're going to go to Genesis 1. I don't know if that's in my notes. But we're going to look at what the God kind of faith is. The Bible says here, in the beginning, uh, he created the earth, and the earth was without form and void. And the darkness was upon the face of the earth and the deep. The Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, and it was good. Going down to verse 6, and it said, the Bible says, And God said, Let there be firmament. And there was. Let's go down to verse 9. And God said, Let the waters under the heaven be gathered together. He said, and it happened. He spoke to an impossible situation, and it was created. That same creative power is in us. Um, Jesus spoke to the fig tree, and the disciples were there with him, and they heard it. It was audible. He was speaking to the deep-rooted, immovable things in our lives. Um, can we go to, let's go to Luke seventeen six, and I'll take that in the Amplified. And the Lord answered, if you have faith, trust, and confidence in God, even so small like a grain of a mustard seed, and you can say to a mulberry tree or a sycamore tree, be pulled up by the roots and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. Can I get uh, the mustard seed picture, please? Look how tiny that is. I mean, if I held one of my finger up here, you guys probably couldn't even really see it. That is Jesus saying it doesn't take much. When I, when I think of Jesus giving these analogies, I picture him talking about when he says mountains and sycamore trees, the biggest things that were geographically around him. And then he had to think of the smallest thing, which was a mustard seed. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, we've all been dealt the same measure of faith. 
Okay. Um, can we get the sycamore tree, the, the, the big one? Look how big that thing is. Yeah, I, I don't know how big that one is, but there was one that they found in 1953 in West Virginia. It's 123 feet tall, and it was 25 feet in circumference. Uh, can we get the picture of the roots? It's a picture of their root system, and that's just the surface. Underneath, these roots go down 10 feet, and then they sporadic. They look for water. They look for things, uh, life-giving things like water. They want to be in good soil. I believe Jesus was standing there in that sycamore tree. If you say to that sycamore tree, with faith as small of a mustard seed to be uprooted and thrown into the sea, it'll happen. Well, he's not literally saying if you take that, you know, you can't throw that sycamore tree. What he's saying is the deep-rooted things in your life, the struggles, the, the addictions, the, the sickness, the disease, all these things. If you say with faith, if you know the will of God, which the will of God is for us to be healed, if you say to those things with faith, they will be uprooted and cast into the sea. Romans ten seventeen says, So faith comes by hearing what is told, and what is heard comes by the preaching of the message that came from the lips of Christ, the Messiah. Continually hearing. That, that word, so faith comes by hearing, that's a constant thing, hearing and hearing. I was a UPS driver, as I mentioned, and so what I would do is I would listen to podcasts, music, and I would listen to the services that pastor was preaching on repeat constantly. And so I was getting tanked up in the word of God. And I could see this change in my life starting to happen. Things that held me back, deep-rooted things. I spoke to those things, and they were cast off of me. I wasn't an alcoholic, but I was, I was on my way. You know, I, I would drink with my buddies. And if they were drinking, I was always drinking more than they were. Because I'm like... I'm a big guy, so I can handle it. But it started to affect my esophagus. There was one time, uh, I love steak. I love it. And I used to work at Costco, and so I got steaks whenever I wanted. And so I was eating a chunk of steak, and it got stuck in my esophagus, and I couldn't swallow it, and it wouldn't come up. And so I had to go have emergency surgery. They went down with a scope and cut it out, and they had to push it down. Well, the doctor said, what have you been doing? And I was like, what do you mean? I, he said, your esophagus is scarred from alcohol and the amount of alcohol you're consuming. So I had to go on medication to fix that. And that, that doesn't mean that Jesus didn't heal me. I was healed of that. <clears throat> so Satan doesn't want you to find out what the word of God says about your situations. When Jesus spoke to the, uh, spoke to the fig tree, the disciples were hearing the word. Faith was arising up in them. When he's, he was teaching them about faith, how we're supposed to deal with our situations. And we're supposed to continually be putting in the Word of God, renewing our mind with the Word of God and what it says. So we know what Jesus says about our situations, that we don't have to deal with sickness and disease, poverty and lack, the things that are going on in this world. We're not of this world. In Hosea 4, 6, it says, My people, speaking of us, are destroyed for their lack of knowledge. I don't want to be destroyed because I don't know what's going on in the Word of God, what he says about my situation. So that doesn't mean I'm being destroyed by God. It means I'm being taken advantage of by the world because I don't know what my rights and privileges are in the Word of God. Faith is holding God to his Word. Now, what does that mean? In Isaiah 43, 26, it says, Put me in remembrance. 
Remind me of my merits. Let us plead and argue together. Set forth your case that you may be justified and proved right. How many know about lawyers? Lawyers are people who know the law and you have a prosecutor and a defendant and they argue back and forth about the law. Well, this guy did this, this guy did this. Well, the judge is sitting there listening. He is a lawyer as well. He's basically just a top lawyer. Well, God is the judge. And Jesus is sitting there pleading our case for us. And we are supposed to know the word of God for ourselves so that when the devil presents you, he's the prosecutor, when the devil presents you with these things, you can say, no, this is what the word of God says about that. I don't have to deal with this in my life. Poverty and lack, you do not have any hold on me. We have, my wife and I, this is my wife up here, we have big dreams, bigger than us right now. But our God is a big God, and he has promised us so many things in his word. When you talk to other people about your dreams, they seem bigger to them because they're not their dreams. You know, God has placed certain things in your heart that he hasn't placed in other people's hearts. You know, I, I, I want to be able to travel. I want to be able to go see ministers. I want to, we've been invited to go to Africa um, to minister with Joe McCroskey and Jerry Savelle. That was something he told me before we even got married. He's like, when you're married, let me know. So, um, yeah, my mom said she'll watch the, my daughter. Um, Proverbs 18.21 says, And death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they who indulge in it shall eat the fruit thereof it, for death or life. What does that mean? You know, you hear people, oh, it's flu season coming up. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, you better go get your flu shot, you know. Or, oh, it's allergy season. We just brush that off, you know, allergies. That's under the curse. We don't have to deal with allergies. So what are we speaking? Are we speaking life or death into our situations? I choose life. (laughs) Our lives are not dictated by the Bible. They are dictated by the things we speak into existence. God can and God is able is not faith. Saying God can do this, God can do this, do that, that's not faith. The Bible doesn't say give and you shall or and you can receive. It says give and you can receive. That's an act of faith by giving. What did I say? Oh, you got it. So, so I was testing you. <laughs> yeah. um, it doesn't say confess with your mouth and believe on me and you can receive salvation. It says you will receive salvation. It's the same thing with faith. And here's an example of that. In Acts 3, 1 through 10, now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. It was about three o'clock in the afternoon. When a certain man crippled from his birth, okay, let's pause there. And then he was carried along and was laid at the gate each day of the temple to beg for alms. So let's picture that. You have friends. You can't do anything for yourself. You can't go out of the house. You probably need help going to the bathroom, all these different things. You have to have people go set you at a place that's determined for you to beg every day. And the way I see it is probably each person that was crippled probably had their spot, you know. Their limbs, his, if he was crippled from the, what does it say? A certain man was crippled, was being, it doesn't say. But I'm, I'm picturing his thighs were probably about as big as my forearms. If he was crippled from birth, then he never walked. He didn't use those muscles, okay? So impossible situation. Um, 
so that he might beg for charitable gifts from those who entered the temple. So when he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked them to give him a gift or begged for alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him intently. So he's walking by the gate and sees this guy after he asks him for something. And Peter directed his gaze at him and so did John and said, look at us. So I'm imagining him holding a cup in his hand or something. And he's holding it up to Peter and John. And he's looking at that cup to see what he's going to put in it. And they're saying, look at us instead. So he has to direct his gaze up to them. <clears throat> and he paid attention to them, expecting he was going to receive something from them. But Peter said, I don't have any silver and gold or money. I, do not, I don't have it. But what I do have that I give to you in the use of the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And then the act of faith by picking him up by the hand by the man's right hand with a firm grip of grip raised him up and at once his feet and ankle bones became strong and steady and leaping forth he stood and began to walk and he went into the temple with them walking and leaping praising God and all the people saw him and him walking around and praising God and they recognized him as the man who usually sat and begged for alms so that was a miracle for that man, but then those people got to see that miracle too. They saw him every day when they walked by. They knew him of the person that sat at the gate and begged for alms. In Missoula, when we lived there, there was this homeless veteran that would always be begging on the same corner every day. You'd see him every single day. So people know who this man is. And they were filled with wonder and amazement and bewilderment over what had occurred to him. So then Peter and John got to share the gospel with those people because of what they saw. Peter didn't tell that man to come to church and then we'll pray for you. He said, in the name of Jesus, that creative power on the inside of him was released through his words, and then the action of faith was him picking him up by the hand and picking him up, and he walked. That's the same way we're supposed to operate in this world. Mark 16, 16 through 18 says, He who believes and adheres and trusts in and relies on the gospel, and him whom is set forth and is baptized will be saved from the penalty of death. But he who does not believe and who does not adhere and does not trust and rely on the gospel with him will be condemned. And, and these attesting signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, in Jesus' name, they will drive out demons. How many know there's demons in the world today? If they're showing themselves, it's today. And a lot of them are in government. So, <laughs> um, And they will speak in new languages, the Holy Spirit language that we were speaking before. They will pick up certain serpents, and even if they drink anything deadly, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick, and they will get well. It doesn't say they can get well. It's not an if thing. It's they will. This is a settled law in the Bible that these people will. If you mix your faith with the power of God and do what he's leading you to do, you can expect results. That's part of the go ye mandate. Just as I was talking about, what was it, two weeks ago. Our go ye mandate is to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Go into your world. In Numbers twenty three nineteen, the Bible says, God is not a man that he should lie. God is not a man that he should act a lie, neither the son of man that he should feel repentance or uh, compunction for what he has promised. And he said, 
And he said, and shall he not do it, or has he spoken it, and will he not make it good? He's not lying here. This is, this is a cold, hard fact. When he said, verily, verily, I tell you the truth, that was the strongest assertion that he could come up with. That's basically him saying, I tell you the truth, nothing but the truth and the whole truth. Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, is always the same yesterday, today, and forever. So what does that mean? If he was healing the sick back then, he's still healing the sick today. Yes. And we're, if the disciples were healing the sick through his name back then, yes. as disciples of God, we're supposed to go forth into our world and heal the sick yes. through Jesus' name. Faith isn't a belief system that we check off when the census worker comes around. Do census workers still do that? Do we have census workers anymore? Yeah, I haven't seen one. Whenever they come to our door, we were told to hide, so then we're not talking to them. So. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's what faith is to most people. They have their card. Okay, faith, Catholic, Presbyterian, Methodist. That's what faith is to most people. But faith is a living power drawn from the living word of God that produces living results. 1 Corinthians 2, 4 through 5, in my language and my message were not set forth in persuasive, enticing, and plausible words of wisdom. They were in demonstration of the Holy Spirit and the power, a proof by the Spirit in the power of God, operating on me and stirring in the minds or hearers the most holy emotions and thus persuading them so that your faith might not reset in the wisdom of men. Our, our faith isn't in what other people say, but it is in the power of God, the living power of God. Amen. You know, doctors give you diagnosis. Is that a truth? It is a truth in this world that my dad had cancer when he did. But there's a higher truth. His wisdom, his faith could not rest in the wisdom of those men. His faith had to rest in what Jesus did on the cross for him. Those stripes he took on his back the penalty he paid for my sin, and he died from my sickness, okay? Acts 14, 8 through 10 in the Passion says, In Lystra, Paul and Barnabas encountered a man, again, who from birth had never walked. Um, when I was listening to Jonathan Shuttlesworth, he was talking about this. Uh, he said in the Middle East, when he would go over there and travel, the people wrapped their legs so that they're together, cross-legged, and then they scoot on the ground. That's how they get around. So imagine this man sitting, listening to Paul and Barnabas talking, preaching this message to them. For he was crippled in his feet. He listened carefully to Paul as he preached. And all of a sudden, Paul, Paul discerned that this man had faith in his heart. Okay? He could, faith could be seen. He had faith in his heart to be healed. And he shouted, you, in the name of the Lord Jesus, stand up on your feet. And the man instantly jumped to his feet and stood for the first time in his life and walked. Yeah. Like, this guy didn't have access to the things that we have access to. Bible, he didn't have a Bible. He didn't have an iPhone where he could Google things. And he didn't have a radio where he could listen to messages. He sat in this message for the first, and heard this message for the first time and had the faith to be healed. We complicate it so much thinking that we have to spend years digging and delving into the word of God just to build up enough faith to receive what we're trying to receive. All it takes was that mustard seed size faith. That's all it takes. The faith that you use to be born again 
is all the faith that you need to receive from God. You need to know his will on what you're dealing with. Poverty and lack is not of God. He said, the blessing of Abraham shall come upon you. Let's go to faith can be seen. He, he's preaching this message and he could see that this guy is getting it. This guy understands what I'm preaching to him. And so Paul had a responsibility in his releasing his faith by saying, in the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. But that guy also had a responsibility too, to stand up. Two acts of faith. James 2.26 says, For as the human body apart from the spirit is lifeless, so faith apart from the work of obedience is also dead. Paul could have preached that whole message and never said anything to that man. He was moved by the spirit of God to tell that man to do what he did. If we don't do the things God is calling us to do, other people are going to suffer because of our disobedience. You might be the answer to someone's prayer. That blessing you're going to get, you, the Lord is leading you to give, maybe that person has been waiting for that their entire life. You know, you might be the only Jesus someone ever sees. Your light shining through you. Um, and that's not talking about works unto salvation. We don't have to work to be saved. That's talking about works as in acts of faith. Yeah. To be honest, I didn't want to do this today, to be honest. <laughs> you know, when pastor asked me to, to preach, um, I had just gotten done with the 12-hour shift at work. I was like, can you come over to the house? And I was like, do I really have to? Yeah. Like, I want to go home. My wife's making dinner. Like, He's like, yeah, just come on over. So we talked, and he said, well, we're going down to Texas, and um, I'd like you to preach again. And so I was like, okay. And so... I had to get in faith myself, knowing that this is what I was called to do. You know, the Lord wanted me to preach this message today. Matthew 9, 20 through 22 says, And behold, a woman who had suffered from a flow of blood for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. So have anyone, anyone seen The Chosen in here? That show that's on Angel Studios? The episode where they do this one is such an amazing representation of faith. Um, it goes back and it shows this woman's backstory, you know, how it was illegal for her to be in public at all because she was considered unclean. They would show her um, washing travelers' clothes in the river. And when people would find out that she had that problem, they would outcast her because she was unclean. And so the story progresses and when they finally catch back up to her. She's in, uh, in the dirt, just camping. You know, she's on the outskirts of town. She's not allowed in. And I don't remember what disciples come up to her, but they, she asked, where are you guys going? And they said, we're going to meet Jesus. And she said, you know Jesus? I've heard of this man. So she's heard. So faith is arising in her heart. She's heard. And so she also is hearing that where Jesus is right now, he's healing. So faith arises in her heart, and she begins to go and make that trip to Jesus. Well, if you picture her walking through like a, we'd call it a farmer's market, like a, yeah, just a market, you know, that's probably where this type of area was. But people recognize her as this unclean outcast, and they're probably wondering, why are you here? You can't get close to him. So this crowd um, started to form, and where was Jesus going? He was going to heal 
the, the little girl that had been considered dead. Um, and she determined, that's an act of faith, determining I'm going to push through no matter what the obstacles are to my faith. Um, and she said, for she kept saying unto herself, if I only touch his garment, I shall be restored to health. She wasn't saying, I'm not sick, I'm not sick, I'm not sick. She knew that she was sick. But what she kept saying, calling those things that are not as though they are, if I touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. What, what's that thing that you have, Dad? The, a prayer shawl. And it has these little tassels on there, and they call them wings. And that now you know where the scripture is that says there's healing in his wings. Um, when she touched that, she came into contact with the power of God. Her faith came into contact with the power of God, and she was healed. And what did Jesus turn around and say to her? He said, take courage, daughter. Your faith has made you well. He didn't say, my power has made you well. He said, your faith. So the power was there. She tapped into it with her faith. Just like there's a lot of stuff up here, Casey. If I took a plug and plugged it into something, that power was always there, right? But until I did the act of picking that up and plugging it in, I never tapped into that power. She heard and she had a corresponding action to what she had heard, which was she kept speaking her faith and pressing through the obstacles of her faith. You know, in the, in the video or in the um, TV show, they show her having to get down on her hands and knees and crawling through the people, and they're stepping on her hands. You know, those are obstacles. She could have given up and gone home. She wasted all that money on doctors. They couldn't help her. <clears throat> and Jesus said it was her faith that made her whole. Not his faith. It was her faith tapped into his power. Faith can only begin where the will of God is known. Uh, you know, I was listening to a story about a guy who knew a homeless man who had died. And when they had gone through this homeless man's records, they had found out that he had $300,000 million or some, some ridiculous amount of money in his account. And he, yet he was living homeless. He, that money was left to him. Faith can only begin where the will of God is known. He didn't know the will of whoever left that money to him. So he continued living in letting the devil run roughshod over him because he didn't know the will. That's the same way Christians are is because we don't know or Christians don't know that healing belongs to them or that prosperity belongs to them or that um, you don't have to go through life letting the cares of this world overtake you. If you know the will of God on those situ situations, then you can have faith to cast those things off of you. In Matthew 24, or 7, 24 through 29, and so everyone who hears the word of mine and acts upon them, obeying them, will be like a sensible, prudent, practical, wise man who builds the house upon the rock. I, uh, what I do for work is I'm a heavy equipment operator and a dump truck driver. So what we do is we do a lot of foundation work. You know, we have to go in there a lot and dig out the, the bad dirt. They call it the natural dirt, which you can't build a ha uh, foundation on that. And then what's my job after that? I go down to Knife River Pit, and I get loaded with rock, and I bring it in, and I just truck this in. There's one foundation we're doing right now um, up Spring Hill, and we're 72 dump truck loads of dirt in there. Dirt in there. Right now, it's a big house. 
Um, but that is what he's talking about here. You build your foundation on the rock, which is his word. And when the rain fell and the floods came to the winds, they blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall. You know, there's a lot going on in this world that beats against your house, your foundation, that tries to shake your faith. You know, COVID was a big one of those. You know, the elections were a big one of those. What's going on with the government currently is a big one of those. What happens overseas is a big one of those. These winds, these floods, they're going to come. Poverty, lack, sickness. But if you build your foundation on the word of God, <clears throat> it, 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 you won't, yeah, it did not fall, it said, and so we won't either, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a stupid, foolish man who built his house upon the sand and the rain and rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell and a great complete was fall yeah and great and complete was the fall of it when jesus had finished these sayings of the sermon of the mount the crowds were astonished and overwhelmed with the bewildered wonder of his teaching for he was teaching as one who had had and was a, of authority and not as did the scribes so the way I look at that is the scribes, that's religion. Him speaking with authority is the same authority that we've been given. We're seated at the right hand of the throne with Christ. We're, we don't have to get caught up in this mentality of, well, we're just lowly Christian people who have to go through life. And one day in the sweet by and by, I'll taste and see if the Lord is. No, he said, you will taste and see that the Lord is good while you're here on the earth. Um, this is why we must find out for ourselves what the word of God says. If you know what the word of God says for yourself, the devil can't deceive you because then you can be as a defendant. No, this is what the law says. I don't have to take what you're presenting to me. Symptoms might come. We live in a fallen world, but you can speak to those systems, symptoms with faith. <clears throat> when you know what rightfully belongs to you and you go into your world and begin to be used by God, you use your faith in his power to heal the sick and you become a threat to the enemy. Amen. I want to be a threat to the enemy. Right. I want when my feet hit the ground in the morning for the devil and the demons to be like, oh no, he's up. <laughs> because God is using me and God is using us to reach our world. Amen. We tap into his power through our faith. That went a lot faster than I thought it was going to. <laughs> but um, go ahead. It's short and sweet today. <laughs> that was great. Yeah, absolutely. Here. Do you want the Bible? So um, that was just full of truth. And if you have spiritual ears and you're hearing this, God has given us a message today that our faith, uh, I think it's Chris, Corinthians, says our faith rests not in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And this is what he's been talking about. <clears throat> so I just think that this has just been a wonderful message to us. And the uh, pastor and his family are in Texas, and you know, they, they serve us. And I think it's time that we serve them. 
And so I'm going to ask that we take up an offering just to help them out with this. It was a huge expense for them to go down there. But, you know, God has a plan, and we're to be part of that. So if you would, go ahead and dig deep, and we'll... Uh, anybody need an envelope? There it is. Anybody have any questions about anything today? So I do want to say, you know, he was talking about me um, four times. I've been through uh, cancer and other things that happened to me, but every single time, you know, first of all, like, like he was preaching about the obstacles to your faith, and those things are what the doctors say, what your family says around you, these different things that come against you. But it is the word, it's the word that brings that power to you. And again, I say our faith rests not in what people say, but in the power of God. And we have to know that. And that's what he's talking about is knowing the word, knowing the truth. There is a natural sickness and disease, but there's supernatural, which is higher. So go ahead. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the message you've brought. And we just ask blessing upon our pastors and the family. And I thank you, Lord, for what you have done for us all. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, that's it. Short and sweet. Um, thanks for coming out. Pastor will be here next week. I won't be, I'm sorry. Um, it's our anniversary on Friday, five years. So we're going to go on a little vacation. Um, I told Pastor he can't preach any good messages while I'm gone, though. So. Um, yeah, so just stay tanked up. Get in the Word of God. Find out what the Word of God says for yourself. You know, your pastors are responsible just to do that for you. You know, we have a responsibility ourselves to get in the Word and speak to your mountains. Um, I want to hear more testimonies. We need more testimonies that help encourage each other. Um, if you want to help us tear down, we're going to set up. Well, do we need to do that? The buzz is close, so I don't think we need to do that. They'll be I don't think they will. Oh, we'll find out. <laughs>